on Stick to Football. We continue mocking the mock drafts. And today I get made fun of by Melo McConnor for all my mock draft stupidity. We're also going to talk to one of the best cornerbacks in the 2020 NFL class. That is Utah's Jalen Johnson. I'm excited for that. You can check all three of us out. Matt Melo McConnor on Bleach Report's YouTube page. Check out the Stick to Football playlist. You can also listen to this podcast wherever you get your shows, whether that's iPhone, Android, however you want to do it. We're out there, and we appreciate it. Gosh, you. do people still listen to podcasts? Like I think more than ever, since actually. 2019. Right? I watch them. I have nothing else to yeah, do. Yeah, and we're still cranking out the YouTube shows. <laughs> so if you like watching on YouTube, you're home now. You don't have to worry about your boss creeping over your shoulder and making sure you're not doing your work. So watch us on YouTube, and, and we'll be there for the draft as well. I know a lot of people who are watching us on YouTube on their TVs, um, which I uh, Dan Kiefer sent me a photo, and he's like watching Stick to Football on his TV. It's a great move. I've started doing that. I have my uh, TV set up so it's compatible with my phone, so I can control YouTube on my TV from my phone. And if you haven't done that, that's a game changer. What? Yeah, I can yeah, do it right now, dude. Son of a gun! <laughs> my mind is blown to start the show today. Oh, that's I know what I'm doing when I finally get home tonight. All right. As we say every show, hopefully you guys are staying home, staying safe, uh, and and we're wishing the best for everyone listening to this. We we definitely appreciate you guys. It is going to be a fun show today. I'm excited to give you guys this mock draft as we get into it. But I wanted to start the show here first of all. It, we're recording this Tuesday morning. Happy National Beer Day! And so I wanted to ask. I, sometimes I put things that are unscripted into the show. What is your Favorite three beers because I know what Mello's gonna say, so I added a couple in there. Connor, I'll just let, let you Connor go first because mine are boring. Connor, is Einstock still your favorite beer? Yeah, Einstock White Ale's number one. Yeah, uh, good one. I would go with ooh, anything from Kona at number two. I like the big waves, but I've moved on to the IPAs, the Kua and the Castaway. And then number three, ooh, man, that's hard. I don't know. Number three is tough. I really, I really don't know. There's so many different choices. I'm glad you gave me three You're though, a so I could at least get you right. Not anymore. It's okay. too light. I got away from a lot of the lighter stuff uh, and graduated to IPAs. But Can't once we it. get out of winter, yeah, really, it's not for everyone. I'm such a, um, I think they call it binge drinker that I don't like heavy <laughs> alcoholic. Stuff, you know? Might be like, the uh, I like the lighter stuff. Yeah. You, you can't drink like six IPAs. It doesn't work like that. Right. You'll feel like absolute dog shit the next day. Yeah. So, mellow, um, natural light, Bud Light, and I'll throw in a Dos Equis when I'm feeling fancy. When you're feeling a little, <laughs> when I'm eating some Mexican food, right? When you're feeling fancy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's his fancy beer. Uh, mine, I, Boulevard Wheat is number one. I think everyone probably knows that. I have a really hard time after that. I think Allagash White is probably number two. Um, and then I would say Einstock is a solid three, uh, delirium, the, the trimmings from delirium are oh, really good. Delirium, but... delirium would be my third. Yeah. I, I haven't had one in a long time because we're either. not allowed outside anymore. Um, but when I was allowed outside, there are a couple bars in the West village that serve delirium. And I've been crushing like a lot of the blue moon has a light beer now. It's called light sky. And it's like, so if you like that kind of like citrusy taste but it's only 95 calories and it's not real filling which blue moon's kind of heavy so i've been drinking a lot of those because it's been nice outside here. mick ultra is my skinny beer 
Oh, that's a good skinny beer. No, pro- no shame. Yeah, that's that. a, that's about as skinny as it gets. <laughs> I, I I drink light beer, and that's about it. I hate the taste of beer. I've tweeted that before. I don't know if I've ever said it on the show. I think it tastes disgusting, like all of it. Uh, but the two at the top, I can manage, and I can drink a lot of them. I drink to drink kid drunk. Like that's the only reason <laughs> I drink. I'm never just gonna sit down and like, oh, let's have a casual beer because this tastes really good. That's not my style. That's me. No, not me. The taste. All right. I did want to get into this. The NFL released the all-decade team for 2010 to 2019. A lot of it was expected, but some of it was not. And I know it's not always fun reading a list on a podcast, so you can Google it if you want. I put it on my Instagram as well. Tom Brady, the unanimous choice at quarterback, not surprising there. Adrian Peterson uh, at running back, not a surprise for me there. Frank Gore making it as a running back did surprise me. And I'm a Frank Gore guy. The longevity that he's had is amazing. When I think of the four best running backs from 2010 until 2019, I don't think of Frank Gore. Uh, So I was thinking that, too. And you know I'm not the biggest Frank Gore supporter. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But I don't know who you replace him with on this list. You already have Marshawn Lynch on there. I think he earned his spot. LaShawn McCoy is on there. Frank Gore might be ahead of him. So I I just don't know what what running backs. Jamal Charles? I know he was hurt some, yeah. but he still, I believe, still has the record you know, for yards per carry. Uh, Jamal Charles should be on there ahead of LaShawn McCoy, I think. And what about Matt Forte? That's another good one. Or Because from 2010 to, you know, really 2016, he was rushing for over 800 yards a year, usually, you know, 1,000. But most importantly, the guy was catching a million passes. Right. I think he was the got, only thing the Bears had for a long time. You could put Le'Veon Bell in there, too. Yep, oh, that's yeah. true. So some running backs that are weird. Wide receiver, really can't argue a whole lot with this. Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. Any any problems yeah. there? Nope. Uh, just for me, it would be Julio Jones. Did he do it long enough in that era, in that decade? He was drafted in... 2010, right? Was he? Holy so. shit, he's getting old. Yeah. Dude, he's been around he's like sneaky Never long. mind. How does yeah. he look so young? Sneaky still? Yeah, right? He's earned his spot then. I know. I, I don't know. I'm getting old, I think, is the I problem. I think that's what it is. The offensive tackles, they hit Jason Peters, Tyron Smith, Joe Staley, Joe Thomas. I would have liked to have seen a right tackle. I think Mitchell Schwartz deserves to be on this list. Um, in my opinion, he's the best right tackle in football and has been for several years now. Um, maybe it's just because he's dominated the second half of the decade. And these four left tackles are really, really good. So am I stupid for saying there should be a right tackle on this list? I... I... I don't think you replace any of those guys with one of the right tackles, though. So, like, I'm good with them having four left tackles because I do think that those are four of the best tackles in the decade. I mean, I think Joe Staley gets a little questionable for me, but, I mean, Joe Thomas, Tyron Smith, Jason Peters, they were all very good for that decade. So I don't think Mitchell Schwartz, even as a Chiefs guy, I don't think that he replaces any of those guys as a tackle. I think the question would be Lane Johnson, if there's anyone yeah, man, another good like 2013 Lane's draft. Been. Yeah, Lane's been a hell of a player. Yeah. Guards, um, I don't know how many people care about this other than Jeff Schwartz, but J- Jari Evans, Logan Mankin, <laughs> Zach Martin, and Marshall Yonda. I got no yeah, problems with any of those guys. <laughs> At center, Alex Mack, Marquise Pouncey. It's just good to see a Cleveland Brown on this list. Uh, defense. Uh, so a couple surprises. I'm not going to read the whole fucking list. A couple surprises. <laughs> Chandler Jones made the list. Now, he's been really good for the last three seasons. When I think of the all-decade team, I don't think of Chandler Jones. And maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm just not thinking outside the box enough on this. Chandler Jones surprised me. 
I I don't know. I, mean, I guess I had him overrated. I heard it or I read his name on probably your Instagram, honestly. It was like, oh, yeah, he's been solid for the decade. So I, I thought he deserved to be on there. Yeah, I, I like that he finally gets right. recognition. I feel like the guy never does. I agree. That I is mean, true. He, and what, the last three years, he's had like 18 no, Yeah, you got to check out his stats. He's yeah. <laughs> Not that stats it's, mean everything, but like he started in but his 2012. <laughs> and he's had double-digit sacks every year except for two years where he had six each. I mean, led the league in 2017 with 17 sacks last year, had 19. Yeah, Chandler Jones deserves to be on that list. How did the Patriots let that guy go? It's a sneaky bad move, like really bad yeah. move. Yeah, man, it really is because they win Super Bowls, good. so it doesn't. You know what I mean? Right. But it's a sneaky. You'd like to have him move with Jared Stidham as your quarterback. Like, I mean, since they traded him, eleven sacks, seventeen sacks, thirteen sacks, nineteen sacks. Man, yeah, and it, pretty like, good. Eight not forced a, fumbles last year. Jesus Christ! All right, at linebacker, it's not like he plays with superstars every. No, year. definitely not in Arizona. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, I liked the linebackers. Keekley, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Bobby Wagner, Patrick Willis. And Jones was part of that crew as well. Uh, thought they did a good job on the DNs and the D tackles. The secondary, I, I know some people were a little upset, but I actually love this group. They gave So three corners, three safeties, two DBs is how they did this. Pat Pete, Revis, and Sherman at corner. I don't think you can argue with that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I would not think even. so. I can't think of one name. That you'd go, oh, he should be on there instead. I cannot either. At safety, Eric Berry and Earl Thomas came out of the same draft class. Pretty cool to see them at the safety spot. And then Eric Weddle, who just hell of a player. And then DB, Chris Harris Jr. and Tyran Matthews. I, I thought they did a very, very good job, the linebackers and the DBs, because those are the spots where I think people pay more attention to the stats and DBs are a little more well-known. thought they really nailed it with these guys. I was actually surprised to see Tyron on there. Really? I feel like that during his time in Arizona that he was pretty underrated and was playing very well on the field. He just never really got a whole lot of recognition. Maybe that's just because I really noticed him last year. And you almost forget about the year he had with the Texans. Yep. Like maybe Texans fans don't, but as an NFL as a whole, we didn't really talk about the Honey Badger that much that year. No, no, he just kind of got lost in the shuffle down there, which yeah, is I think crazy. A, a lot of what he does is so underrated because he's not getting, he's not leading the league in interceptions. Right. He's just doing a little bit of everything and making a difference on the field. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Honey Badger fan. Um, and the coaches, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, they didn't do general manager. If I had to pick a GM from the 2010s, I would actually take Ozzie Newsom. I think that yeah, the fact no that doubt. they reinvented that team a couple times during that era, you know, from, you know, moving on from Ray Lewis and Ed Reed to building around Joe Flacco and winning a Super Bowl to then selecting Lamar Jackson and setting up what, you know, was the number one seed in the AFC this past year. I think Ozzie would be my pick at general manager. Yeah, I mean, then you'd have to give Belichick, too. You'd have to be the coach and the GM, and I think that's maybe why they left him off. Yeah, and we just talked about how uh, they traded Chandler Jones, so maybe we yeah. don't. Maybe we don't I, I don't think he's back. a good GM. I think he's an, a let, the best coach of all time. I do, too. I don't think he's a good GM. Yeah, I think he There's gets credit like, for being yeah. the GM but he's because he's so good as a coach. I think anybody could step in there and be like, all right, Bill, who should we take and do yeah. a little bit better of a job? I had someone tell me once that Belichick, the coach saves Belichick the GM's job. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's, yeah, totally. He should just hire me. I'll, I'll come around we'll that We'll see draft. what happens after Brady, though. Like, I, even as a Jared Stidham supporter leading that fan club, I wonder how much success they're going to have without Tom Brady. Yeah, well, I think it'll be a lot. 
Don't get me wrong. We'll find out. <laughs> probably still be a wild card team, but right. I wonder how much they'll do without Tom. Well, let's see what I do with this team with the 23rd pick in the NFL draft. When we come back. I'm going to run through my mock draft with a couple trades in it, and Mel O'Connor get to discuss and grade this draft. We'll be back right after this. All right, we are back, and it is time for me to go through my mock draft and let the boys make fun of it or tear it apart or hopefully just say they agree with all of it. And uh, Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be You good. did great, man. I love Thank, everything. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, number one overall, Connor had it. Uh, I'm sure Mello will have it. This is not going to change for most of us. Joe Burrow, number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I've had Burrow as my top quarterback since the Alabama-LSU game. Uh, I think in the first quarter, I looked at you guys and said, you know what, I'm going to make Burrow my number one quarterback. I'm, I'm a huge believer in him. Have him ranked as the second best quarterback I've evaluated, only behind Andrew Luck. I think a lot of times we look at him and say, oh, the supporting cast. I don't think his offensive line was that good. Um, having seen him play in person, I think, four times this past year, his ability to manipulate from within the pocket to keep his eyes downfield, to stay poised, to stay calm. He's not the athlete that Mahomes is, and he doesn't have the arm strength that Mahomes has. But some of the plays he makes remind me of Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, that ability to just go off platform, off schedule, and just tear the defense apart. He I feel re- you look. He at reminds me. me of none of those quarterbacks. Not even a little bit. He doesn't have half the arm that Mahomes I said. He does. doesn't have the arm. I know, but I I do like the way that he can keep plays alive. Uh, we were at the SEC championship game, and it's like, what the hell is he doing? And he looks up and he throws a bomb. Like I'm sitting there, pretty high up. I didn't see Justin Jefferson. Somehow he did with a bunch of Georgia Bulldogs in his face. So I do like that part of his game. But I think it's going to be a more boring quarterback than an Aaron Rodgers than a, than a Pat Mahomes. And those guys are just, they're in their own tier. They're very exciting with what they can do. I think Joe Burrow is going to get the job done. I just don't think it'll be as exciting. Yeah, I'll stick with my Tony Romo, Matt Ryan blend, uh, which is definitely a step down from the Rodgers-Mahomes combination. Again, not the arm. Here. Totally. Yeah. yeah, listen, he's a good player. He deserves to go number one overall, and I have no He's going to be pick. your next Trent Richardson. No, he's not. <laughs> the, oh, my here's God. The thing. If my only worry about Joe Burrow has nothing to do with him. It has to do with the Bengals. I don't trust Zach Taylor, and I, we just haven't seen enough. So am I worried that Zach Taylor might ruin Joe Burrow? Absolutely. But I don't think he's going to be, you know, some spectacular Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf type bust. I, I, I don't either. I, at his floor, he's better than Jared Goff. And he's going to be a starter in the league for five years at a minimum. Okay, there we go. People on Twitter think you hate Joe Burrow. I don't. I just like to give you shit about Joe Burrow. Okay, number two, the Washington Redskins. I have them going Chase Young. I do not think they even consider Tua at this spot. I don't think they consider Justin Herbert at this spot. Uh, I mean, they're having Dwayne Haskins host their virtual draft coverage. And I know that last year the Cardinals were, oh, we're having Josh. Josh is our guy. Josh is our quarterback. And then they draft Kyler Murray. This is a different situation. Washington takes Chase Young, who is still, by the way, the best player in the draft. Regardless of what you've maybe heard elsewhere, he is still the best player in the draft. He is a, a super, super talented pass rusher. He is on par with the Boses. He's on par with Miles Garrett. He's on par with Jadavian Clowney. And unlike a lot of those players I just mentioned, there are no injury concerns with Chase Young like there were those players coming out. And I think with the Redskins, maybe they were just putting some feelers out with, hey, what what's going to happen if we say we're interested in a quarterback? Anybody going to try to come up and give us the world for this pick and we'll move back or anything like that? But I, I don't think they do. I think Chase Young is going to be the pick. I think these first two picks, we could probably go ahead and announce them. I don't see anything happening differently. 
And it feels like we never get to talk about this pick anymore because it's been set in stone for so long. But for Washington Redskins fans and for the Ron Rivera era, this is this is underrated of how exciting it is. Chase Young is a guy that should come in and have double-digit sacks. He is on par with Miles Garrett. He's that good. I mean, it's almost like we nitpick because we want to see him be a perfect run defender. But when it comes down to it, the guy gets after the quarterback insane speed off the edge one of the best first steps we have ever seen so for washington this is one of those things where you send the card in right away and it's so exciting for their franchise and after san francisco traded to forrest buckner i don't think it would be crazy to say that washington could have the best d line of football next year not oh, at yeah, all but what they have up front, matt ionitis john allen Jaron payne montez sweat ryan kerrigan and chase young yeah, that's going to be scary. Phenomenal. Good luck, Cowboys fans. Make you, make your strength a better a bigger strength. That's what you have to do if you are Washington. All right, number three, I did not do a trade out of this, and I'll explain why. I have the Detroit Lions selecting Jeff Akuda. Feel very good about the need and the value matching up here. The reason I didn't have a trade out, I started. We did the, the mock draft on Monday morning with Connor's mock, and we're recording this about a day later. The more I thought about it, I don't know where the pressure will come from for the Dolphins or the Chargers to trade up to get their guy. Now, maybe there could, but you don't have to. What you have to worry about is someone jumping you. It doesn't feel like either team is getting that pressure that we've seen before. You know, the Bears had to trade up to number two to make sure they got Trubisky to make sure no one else did it. Um, you know, we've seen teams. We saw the Jets a couple of years back. They traded up before the draft. It was like, you know what? There will be a quarterback at three that we like. We're going to trade up and take one. It does not right now feel like there's that pressure for the Dolphins or Chargers. And as someone who gets used by teams a lot, I'll tell you, I'm not even hearing it of like, hey, maybe you, sh-, you know, I- I'm hearing that the, the Chargers are going to trade up to two or three to get Tua or to get Justin Herbert. That talk's not out there. In fact, what you hear is almost the opposite of no one can decide who the number two quarterback is among teams. So there's maybe not going to be that panic move up the board. I, I don't think there is yet. I wonder if there is draft night. Uh, I think I said it on our show Monday. Uh, it's surprising that the Chargers and the Dolphins are just sitting there at pick five and six, and they haven't moved up yet. So that does tell me that maybe they do just want to stay, and nobody really wants to trade up for Tua. You don't want to you know, have to send another first-round pick or two second-round picks up to get a guy that might be out of the league in three years because of that injury when you haven't had time to get him to meet with your doctors and, and do all the behind-the-scenes stuff that it takes. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Lions stay here or if, you know, comes draft night, if there is a trade. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised either way. I'm still convinced there's going to be some movement here. Now, the question is, is there a mystery team behind them that'll put pressure on them i know we allude to the raiders a lot but it could be much more than that jacksonville maybe if they want to come up and grab a quarterback and surprise everyone so when you look at it here i mean it it's tough to dissect right now because it's so miami and chargers and no one else so why would they move up but come draft night i'm curious if the pressure cranks up a little yeah and if the lions don't get that call from miami or from the chargers would they be willing to take a little bit of a discount from someone else, you know, from one of those teams? Say, hey, it's not going to cost yeah, you. Yeah, one second round. Yeah, it's not going to be an arm and a leg type deal. It's just just an arm. All right, number four, the New York Giants. I'm still going with Isaiah Simmons. I believe in this pick. I, I mean, there's a, I would say there's like 90%, I feel, on Simmons, 10% Tristan Wirfs here, but I'm rolling with Isaiah Simmons as what I think the pick will be. Again, this is not necessarily what we would do as GMs, but what I think will happen. Yeah, I, I think there's too much leaking out that it's going to be Isaiah Simmons with the new coaching staff. They probably want to playmaker on defense. I don't know that you get a better one. I mean, honestly, in a, in a pretty normal class, I'm looking at Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. Isaiah Simmons, the number three defender on this list, he's 
usually going to be the number one guy. We're just very spoiled with these top three guys. Yeah, I think so as well. When you look at it, I honestly, I'm just going to be vocal about it. It's not that Isaiah Simmons will be a bad player. He's far from that. He's a phenomenal player. It's just such a tough sell to me when you have Nate Solder and Cam Fleming as your tackles and somebody like Jedrick Wills or somebody like Tristan Werps is staring you right in the face there. When you just use the top five pick on a running back, a top 10 pick on a quarterback, it's just it's a tough it's tough GMing to me when you don't invest in protecting those guys. That's Dave Gettleman for you. And, you know, I I don't <laughs> yeah, hate I the agree Giants. Though, Matt, that I, I feel like a lot pick. of people think we hate the Giants. I don't. I don't agree with what Dave Gettleman's doing or how he's building that team, but I have nothing against oh, no, not any team in the NFL. I just don't like the moves your team makes. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, five, the Miami Dolphins. But all the quarterbacks are here except for Joe Burrow. So who do the Dolphins take? And I told Mello, I, I did something this morning, and I obviously haven't got back enough text yet uh, t- to make an informed opinion here. But what I did was I text everyone in my phone who I think would know what the Dolphins are doing at five. Like, no bullshit, no smoke screen. Who do the Dolphins want? Tua or Herbert or Jordan Love? I, I guess you have to put that possibility in there. So I-, I think this might be something I have for you guys on the Friday show. But I am very curious to, to just cut through the fat Hey, who do they want? Not are we being manipulated right now? As of April seventh at ten a.m. Central Time, I believe the pick would be Justin Herbert over Tua. This is not what I would do. I have Herbert as I mean he's way down the list. I told you guys on Monday we're we're doing draft four hundred. We're still stacking the board. Tua is far and away like thirty spots better on my big board probably than Justin Herbert. The only questions I have with Tua are health related. So I have Miami at five going Herbert and then the Chargers at six going Tua, uh, which I do think is a great fit for Tua. But I will always struggle with the idea that Herbert went above Tua in this year's draft. And I think that teams will once they look back at it. But I I think this is another thing. Obviously, you're hearing that it could happen. We've been talking about it on the show. I don't agree with it. Could it be a possibility? Yeah, especially... The more the Dolphins just stay there at number five tells me they're okay with taking either one of these quarterbacks, and they haven't done the medical. So maybe you take the safer option in Justin Herbert, and you don't have to worry about a quarterback like Tua and that hip and those ankles and every other injury that he's had in his career. Or maybe the Dolphins just played this perfectly, and they're going to make it so they didn't have to move up, give up any of their assets, and they go, hey, Tua's there at five. We'll take him now. So I'm, I'm very curious as well. I've leaned on the side that they like Justin Herbert. Uh, health reasons being one, maybe size reasons being another one. I think when you look at Miami, I'm I'm curious how they build this thing, guys. I was doing a little exercise, just researching all the GMs, and you know Chris Greer has really only had oversee you know overseen football operations there for about a year now, and, and Chris Greer's been there since 2007. So we're wondering what moves were his, yep. what moves weren't. But now that he's working with the coach that he hired in Brian Flores. These are going to be what the real Chris Greer moves are going forward. Yeah, and it's I know everyone's like, well, what would New England do? Uh, this it's not that simple. You know, it's, it's not, not like that. It's definitely yeah. not, I know they, you know, maybe on defense they brought in some guys that Flores is familiar with, but I don't think it's as simple as what would build do with here. New England. They had 20 years of a quarterback where they didn't have to worry about it, where they did very minimal <laughs> yeah. work on quarterbacks. So it's completely different for these teams. All right. Now let's have some fun. Number seven overall, the Carolina Panthers own this pick. Oh, but we're trading, baby. The New York Jets are coming up the board. I looked back at last year's trade when the Steelers moved up to 10. They sent a one, a two, and a future three to do that. 
So I'm going to send the Jets are, are moving up. They're giving the Panthers pick 11, pick 79, and a 2021 third-round pick. And the reason being, you're not going up as high. And in this year's draft, I think the Panthers are uh, definitely listening about moving back. So the, the cost is not going to be as great, especially in a, in a kind of a weird draft year. So the Jets move up. It cost them a one and two threes. They have the picks to do that. They have two third-round picks in 2020. And uh, they can find a comp pick in 2021 to make this happen. So I have the Jets taking the top tackle in the class, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. The more I thought about the lack of moves they've made in free agency, it makes me wonder if Joe Douglas is willing to get aggressive in a year where they have a little extra draft capital to get a sure thing at left tackle. And the only thing that I would say, who was the pick? Wills? Wills. I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers want to stay there and take a tackle and not move off of this. I think that's a strong possibility. But after they trade, I know we made fun of Russell Okung and he's always hurt. They've traded for Okung. They have Moten at right tackle. I have no idea what they're going to do with Greg Little, who they drafted in the second round in 2018. But they have a couple of guys there, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, if they do it, cool. I just don't know if it's the Panthers. I think maybe the Cardinals are a better trade option for the Jets if they do want to move up, but they have the picks to do it, and they really need a left tackle, so maybe they are a team that is trying to get up there and, and get a guy like Wirfs or Wills. I'll say, Matt, I love this trade because you keep pick 48 and you keep pick 68, which they got from the Giants, so it doesn't feel like you don't have any draft capital in this draft with all the Jets' needs right now. And you go up and get what I consider a surefire franchise tackle for Sam Darnold. Yeah. So I love this move. I don't want to sit at 11 because I'm not convinced that, you know, Worfs and Andrew Thomas and all these players will be there. But more importantly, I value Jedrick Wills way higher than all of them. So I think this is a phenomenal trade by getting your guy, but not really surrendering your draft to do so. Yeah, and I wanted to find a couple more trades like that in this draft, but it was it's hard to do, right, this early in the process. So at eight, I still have the Cardinals taking Derek Brown. Feel very, very good about the intel on that one. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I think that's going to be the pick. All right, number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the board. And this is where I'm going to have a couple tackles come off the board. So at nine, I have Jacksonville taking Tristan Wirfs. You move Cam Robinson inside to guard. I think this offensive line is a hell of a lot better when Cam Robinson's playing guard. Juwan Taylor at right tackle, Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. You got yourself a line that you can build around now. Uh, no matter who they're going to play at quarterback, whether it's Minshew or someone they draft, I think you have to have an identity on offense, and this helps you get one with a very, very tough offensive line. And then at 10, I have the Browns taking Mekhi Becton from Louisville, so we get two tackles coming off the board. The Browns, I think, would consider Isaiah Simmons if he somehow fell to this spot. Since he's off the board, I think they have to go with Becton. I would love to see the Browns get Isaiah Simmons just because I want to see him versus Lamar Jackson, and I'm not going to get to see that very often. And with him on the Giants, maybe that's why I hate the Giants so much. But I... I think we are going to see a run on tackles, especially here with the way your mock is working out. You have the Jets moving up, and I think these other teams are going to say, okay, let's start doing it. Uh, the Jaguars sitting there can get Tristan Wirfs. I really like that move. I like Wirfs. I think he can play all along that offensive line. And then the Browns with Becton, they have to do something at tackle. Uh, I don't know if it'll be him or Thomas, but I think the upside here is what Becton gets, why Becton gets drafted at number 10. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of this pick at nine for Jacksonville because, once again, you can get help at a couple positions. Whether you need Worfs to plug in and play guard, he could do it. Whether you need him to play on the right or left side, he can do it. So I'm a big fan of the value at nine and the need. Ten with the Browns, this pick would not surprise me. I could see them taking Becton and saying, hey, we're going to shoot for the stars with this pick rather than getting the high floor guy in Andrew Thomas because they probably feel pretty good after signing Jack Conklin for the right side where they feel they could be a little bit more, you know, uh, bold here on Mm -hmm. the left side with Becton. And most importantly, too, they're going to run the ball a lot with Nick Chubb, and we know what Becton can do as a run That was actually what went into that thought process for me of Becton over Thomas's. They have not not only Nick Chubb, they have Kareem Hunt. They want to run the ball next year, and Becton will help you do that. And Andy Janovich. Like, they are just building a, hey, we got ourselves the fullback, we got ourselves two running backs, they just look like a team that wants to run the ball a million times a game. Good way to protect a quarterback who did not have a good year last year uh, in Baker Mayfield. All right, 11, the Panthers slide back here because of the trade with the Jets. And I think this works out perfectly for them because this is where you take C.J. Henderson at corner. A gigantic need for them after James Bradbury went to the Giants. I know a lot of folks have said, like, why not offensive line? Why not defensive tackle? You could go either one of those spots, and I'm probably not going to get too upset about it. But I do think, like we said, after... Trading for Russell Okung, you got a couple young guys. I don't think you take a guard in this spot to replace Trey Turner. Instead, you get, in my opinion, the second-best corner in the draft, someone who's ready to come in and play right away. Matt Rule, Joe Brady, we think, oh, man, they're going to go offense. Good offensive coordinators know how valuable a shutdown corner is, and I think Henderson can be one. I, I think so, too. I think that he's not on the same tier as Akuda because Akuda is special, but, man, he's right there, and I think he's on a tier of his own because I think he's head and shoulders above a guy like Jeff Gladney and some of these other corners. Obviously, I really like C.J. Henderson, and you got to do something to slow down. You have to look at your division and say, how do we win that first? And you better be able to stop the pass because you have the Saints, you have the Bucks, and you have the Falcons who probably have some of the best receivers in all of football, not even just in their division. That's going to be tough to stop, and you have to try with a guy like C.J. Henderson. Yeah, I don't mind this pick at all. I think it might be it might seem a little early for CJ Henderson here for for the Panthers. This is a need. Once again, I'm not a big believer in their tackle situation, so I might be inclined to take Andrew Thomas here instead, but they are really building this thing, you know, from the bottom here with Matt Rule and they know they need more pieces in that secondary and Henderson is one of the best ones available on the board. All right, number 12, the Raiders. I'm going CD Lamb here. Something I've been hearing a lot the last week is that Lamb is the number 1 receiver on the Raiders board if he's available. I personally would take Henry Ruggs here. Like Ruggs would be my pick because I I value speed so much for their offense, but I think when you look at Lamb, what he does at the catch point, uh, how physical he is as a route runner, I think that fits Mike Mayock so well of let me just get a dog at wide receiver. Um, I've said before, I think CeeDee Lamb in the right offense can be a Michael Thomas-type player, even though he's 25 pounds lighter. Just the physicality that he runs routes with. Like, this is Derek Carr's best friend now. You got a couple really good tight ends. Well, one really good tight end and one really old one. You got Darren Waller and Jason Witten. And they have some other pieces at receiver, Hunter Renfro, guys like that. I think Lamb is plug and play here as your ex receiver and, and a day one impact. And I think he's going to be the number one receiver on a lot of boards. Uh, I don't know how m- many teams are going to value Henry Ruggs and what he does with the speed, but I think for the Raiders here, go give Derek Carr a target. You need a receiver. You thought you had one in Antonio Brown. We all saw how that that worked out. I really like CeeDee Lamb, number two receiver for me in this class, but I still like this pick here with him, 12 overall to the Raiders, even with Jerry Judy on the board. 
Best receiver in the draft, first one to come off the board. This is a great pick by the Raiders. I understand the need for speed with Ruggs, but with C.D. Lamb, you are helping the quarterback you have right now and any quarterback that plays in the future. I think Lamb does everything very well underneath but can you know quietly be a downfield threat as well with his tracking and ability to play above the rim. Now to the picks I actually care about. 13, the San Francisco 49ers. Sorry, that was a joke for people who don't know. Uh, 13, the Niners. They get this pick from Indy for DeForest Buckner. And it's going to be a wide receiver. It's not Jerry Judy. It is Henry Ruggs. Kyle Shanahan wants speed. Here's some 429 speed for you. Henry Ruggs stretching the field. I was thinking about this uh, that last night and this morning as I was doing this mock draft. Kyle loves speed. Loves it. I mean, the thing about guys who've been Marquise Goodwin, he made Taylor Gabriel look like a pro bowler. Now you give him speed at receiver who's actually a well-rounded wide receiver. I think Ruggs would be, I mean, they drafted Dante Pettis in the second round, which was a horrible miscalculation. You're getting like the souped up good version of that now at 13 overall. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, just look at the running backs and all the speed that they have there. They're the second fastest team in the NFL. So now you have Debo Samuel and you put Henry Ruggs on there as well. It's going to be scary. Uh, I hope Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't overthrow Henry Ruggs. That would be impressive. It's hard to do overthrowing Ruggs here. Listen, it's crazy, guys, that we're sitting here and Jerry Judy is going to be the third receiver off the board. I would think, unless Matt surprises us. But that's just the kind of rise that Lamb and Ruggs have had together. And I like to fit in both of these offenses, to be honest with you. I think the Niners can get Ruggs going down the field early and often. All right, 14, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You get Tom Brady. Now you have to protect him. Uh, I'm going to go Andrew Thomas, who I think can play left or right tackle in the NFL and do either spot really well. So if Tampa believes more in their left tackle situation than I do, it's okay. Put him on the right side. He has experience there. He can get the job done. But protecting Tom Brady has to be first and foremost uh, on Jason Light's list of things to do in this year's draft. And help out your run game. I think that he's one of the best run blockers in this draft, even ahead of a guy like Becton. I think that Thomas moves a lot better. He's going to be able to get to the second level. He's going to be able to do more immediately. I think Becton maybe in year three is going to be a better run blocker, but for right now, Andrew Thomas is the best run blocker in this class. Yeah, get you a man that can do both, guys. Andrew (laughs) Thomas, left tackle, right tackle, run blocker, pass protector. It's, you know, it's crazy how often he is the fourth tackle off the board for how reliable this player is, but you know, upside, I understand why why teams chase it, but I just love how rock-solid Andrew Thomas of a prospect is. All right, 16, the Atlanta Falcons, last pick before we... T- oh, 15, excuse me, Denver Broncos. Sorry, Denver, tried to skip you here. And you get my favorite receiver in the draft, so I shouldn't have done that. Jerry Judy comes off the board here. I think he's a perfect compliment to Cortland Sutton. You got two fantastic route runners. Now, I would not be shocked if Judy's picked seven by the Panthers if they don't trade. I would not be shocked if he falls to 15 because in this receiver class, it is so much going to come down to scheme fit and preference. What do you want from that position? And what do you already have? Like, what do you need? You know, the Niners have Debo Samuel, who's great uh, crossing outs, great over the middle. Would they value a CeeDee Lamb? You know, would they value a Jerry Judy or they want deep speed? I I think with Denver, they would be so happy to be to imagine you're Drew Locke and you now have steal. Cortland Sutton, Melvin Gordon, Noah Fant, and now you have Jerry Judy. Like, come on, like that's how you build an offense. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think they could go tackle here if there's one available in your draft. There's not. So I think with Jerry Judy sitting there, this is a no brainer. This is okay. We need a receiver. The number one receiver on our board is there. Let's go get him. What a steal for the Broncos here. And I would have been happy with Lamb, Ruggs, or Judy for them. But I think you're talking about maybe the most pro-ready 
of the three wide receivers with Judy just because of his route running ability and across from Cortland Sutton. That is a really nasty one two punch. Number five overall player on my board somehow falls to 15. Yeah. Good right. for Drew Locke and those Broncos fans. No, no joke. Number 16. Now we're ready for the Falcons. And I have them going Javon Kinlaw with CJ Henderson off the board. No corner. I felt great about drafting here for this team specifically. So I'm going to give them Javon Kinlaw, uh, a top 10 player who slides down the board because that run on tackles and wide receivers. And I think this is the mold of what they want from their interior defensive linemen. Uh, I don't know. Is there a spot for him immediately, though, with a guy like Grady Jarrett already there? I think he plays next Play to Grady, next to and then he can kick out, play some end as well. I'm not a Tyler Davison guy. I know. I think they extended him, but I think he and Grady Jarrett, that's a, a pretty deadly duo. And you can pressure from the inside. You got a guy like Dante Fowler. You picked him up in free agency, so uh, help free up the, the money you just spent. Yeah, Dan Quinn is going to value you know a front like this. Guys that are just Pass rushers. Do you have, Honestly, Kinlaw, athletic, Grady Jarrett, athletic, Dante Fowler, athletic. Matt, do you have Kinlaw ahead of Chase on? I do not. Do you think they would play going for Chase on here? It could go either way. But I think with Tack McKinley and then with Dante Fowler, you're not going to draft Chase on as well. All right, let's take a break. We come back. Cowboys on the clock. The Dallas Cowboys are on the clock at 17. This is where I have Caleb on Chase on coming off the board. The value is just too good to pass up. I don't think edge rusher is the biggest need here. Not a corner I would draft for Dallas. Not a D-tackle I would draft for them. So Chase on, my number nine overall player falls to 17. Yeah, I, I still think it's a sneaky need. Uh, Alden Smith hasn't played football in a very long time. Very true. Dexter Lawrence, how long is he going to be there? How long is he going to be productive? I think you can play him opposite of those guys or even rotate him in and make Alden Smith your just third down, bring him in to rush the quarterback. I think Chase Hunt can be a more complete edge player in this defense, and you better do something uh, because that defensive line needs some help. Yeah, it's a great pick, Matt. I, I mean, he's somebody that could do, you know, pretty much all three things you ask a linebacker. Get after the quarterback, cover, and play really, really reliable run defense. Super high character guy, which I think you want more of in that Dallas locker right. room. So, I, I mean, you know, him, Alden Smith there, it's an interesting uh, one, too. And hopefully, all seriousness, hopefully Alden Smith has his life back on track. But Chase on's a great pick for Dallas. All right, 18, the Miami Dolphins, no surprise here. We've had them going offensive tackle at 18 for months now. Maybe the only surprise. I'm going to give them Austin Jackson from USC. And then here's the surprise pick for you, though. And You guys can talk about both these. 19, the Raiders have this pick. They went wide receiver at 12. I have them going Trevon Diggs from Alabama, trying to tap into more of that Mike Mayock philosophy of tough, uh, high-character guys from big programs who are productive in college. Diggs has a lot of speed at the corner spot as well. He's got a lot of the traits that you're going to look for uh, if you're the Raiders. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's corner three. I would take Gladney uh, over Diggs, but the upside with Diggs is so good because if he can learn how to play corner and use those feet, he has elite-level feet. I really like Diggs. I don't know about 19. 19 might be a little rich for me. Yeah, I think with Diggs, he will go higher than Gladney because of the size. I think that's where he'll win that battle there. And it'll be interesting to see how teams value Diggs versus Fulton versus Jalen Johnson, who we're going to have on in a little bit. And getting back to your pick at 18, Matt, with the Dolphins, I've heard so much buzz on Austin Jackson for two to three months now where this wouldn't shock me. I'm just going to be honest and kind of take the Justin Herbert route here that we do on this show. I don't think Austin Jackson is a round one player and whatever team takes him in the top 25, I think is making a big mistake if they're expecting results this year or really the next year and a half. At 20, uh, Jacksonville, they took an offensive tackle earlier. I'm giving them a wide receiver here in Justin Jefferson from LSU. And I'll follow that up. We often have the Eagles take Justin Jefferson. 
He's not available, but they're still going to go to Baton Rouge. You get Patrick Queen, giving him a speedy playmaker at linebacker, which is a very, very big need for that defense. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense because it never really works out that way you want it to. When you have Justin Jefferson fall into 21, somebody else usually steps up and takes that player. I like Justin Jefferson to the Jaguars. I think that him and DJ Shark are going to be scary duo uh, in a couple years once they have a quarterback. Patrick Queen with the Eagles. I think Eagles fans will be a little upset they're not getting that receiver they want, but I wouldn't reach for a guy like a T. Higgins right here at this spot. I know Howie Roseman and this Eagles front office, they haven't invested like a premium asset into the linebacker position, it feels like, ever. I think Jordan Hicks in the third round, like half a decade ago, is the last time they came even close. But I think this is a good idea. Patrick Queen's not just a linebacker. He's one of the best cover players in this entire draft, and and he would make an impact right away. And most importantly, it's because the Jaguars stole Justin Jefferson at 20, who I think is just perfect with Gardner Minshew in that offense right away. I mean, him, DJ Chark, another LSU guy. They got some speed. They got a possession guy. That's a really, really nice blend of wide receivers together. Yeah, and I thought about going corner there for Jacksonville, but having Jefferson on the board, it was just too tempting to give them. Help your young quarterback. Right. That's That was exactly where I wanted to go. So they got a tackle and a receiver in this draft. 22, the Vikings got this pick from Buffalo for Stephon Diggs. I'm going to go corner for the Vikings before wide receiver, and that's A.J. Terrell from Clemson. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Johnson, Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney are on the board. I think the Vikings are going to want some size at the position, which might rule out Gladney, but also, I mean, they're still going to want speed. And I like Terrell. I know everyone's lasting impression is Jamar Chase beating him in the second half of the natty. The first half, he was keeping up with him. He was holding his own. He uses his length exceptionally well, swatting balls away. I think Terrell has all the tools you want. Maybe he's not going to be, you know, Tredavious White, you know, late first round who becomes an all-pro corner, but I think he's going to be a really good starter. Or maybe he is going to be uh, White because, I mean, there's elite-level tape of him out there shutting down guys. He has the length, and I think that is what puts him ahead of a guy like Gladney here again with Diggs, but... I, I like this pick. I think they're going to have to take a corner first. No receivers there that I like right now. Higgins, just the 4-5 is scaring me. Uh, I need to go back and watch a little bit more tape and remind myself of how good of a receiver he is. I Listen, guys, when you're a 6-1 corner with 4-4 speed and the kind of tape Terrell has, once again, let's not just you know uh, <laughs> cherry-pick a play against Jamar Chase here, the overall tape. I think Terrell is going to be a sneaky first-round pick for a lot of people right now. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Of his. I almost had him go to Oakland at 19. That's how much I, I like A.J. Terrell. All right, 20. I know they like their Clemson corners. They do like, yeah, Trayvon Mullen and A.J. Terrell. Just get them back together. It worked pretty well in college. Number 23, New England Patriots. Not a quarterback, even though Jordan Love's on the board. I gave them Yitor Gross Matos. Think, we talked about Chandler Jones earlier in the show. Trey Flowers. Think of the pass rushers this team has drafted and then let leave. I think they have to get back to those roots of getting after the quarterback. Gross Matos, a little bit more of a, a potential overproduction player, but I really, really like the flashes from him. I have him comped to Chandler Jones. All righty. So, yep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It's a fit. All right. I, I mean, when you look at Gross Matos, just an athlete, they lose Kyle Van Noy, and I know Gross Matos is going to project as a pass rusher, but I think Bill would use him in a lot of different ways. Yeah, he is a, a fun player. He's, you know, he's just raw. So filling him out uh, as a prospect, I think he could be very, very good. 24 of the Saints. 
Still not a quarterback. I'm going Kenneth Murray here. This is a team that only has five picks in the 2020 draft. They have a Super Bowl window that is open. I think they're going to try to win now and then maybe reevaluate the quarterback position next year, 2021. So Kenneth Murray here. We've talked about the character, the athleticism. They need a linebacker who can not only stop the run but get outside the hashes and make some plays. I think Murray can do that. And I don't know if they value a quarterback in the first round just yet. I mean, if they do, I think it might be Taysom Hill who they gave a first round tender to I'm not buying that but I also I don't think the Saints will take a quarterback in the first round yeah and it's funny they get Murray I think he'd be joining a guy that is very similar to him in Demario Davis but Demario Davis will be a free agent after this year and is getting a little up there in age so they do need help at linebacker and watching those two play together for a year would be really exciting all right Melo you mentioned this guy earlier 25 the Vikings I gave him a corner now they get T Higgins I think this is the strategy whether it's Higgins or Brandon Ayuk here or I mentioned it the other day Jalen Rieger could be a surprise pick for them I think the move is to grab a corner wait on a receiver I still like T Higgins I know like you said the four five six the pro day might scare some folks the route running what he does vertically it's gonna be a really good match with Adam Thielen and the other pieces they have of that wide receiver puzzle but most importantly I think he gets safeties out of the box for Dalvin Cook which is something that I would prioritize for this offense and a real good red zone target like you can't underestimate that he can go up and get the football and I think that he can separate the 40 time is just concerning it is. It definitely is a concern. And I like what he does after the catch, too. It's like he has to get the ball in his hands to get a little momentum. But once again, a player with a huge catch radius that can, you just gave Kirk Cousins all that money again, part two. Right. You, you can't just get rid of Stephon Diggs and expect him to be the same Kirk Cousins. So you need a player to supplement Adam Thielen. Yeah. All right. 26, the Dolphins. We had them go quarterback tackle earlier. I'm going to him, DeAndre Swift. I know Dolphins fans are tired of this, they hate me for it. I'm going to keep doing it <laughs> until they pl- – Jordan Howard's not the answer at running back, fellas. He might be part of the answer, but he's not the answer. I think Jordan Howard and DeAndre Swift complement each other very, very well. This gives Swift an opportunity to acclimate to the NFL, but by the second half of the season, he's your number one back. I think this is the best pick for the Dolphins I've heard in a long time. Uh, <laughs> I think you have to make a, a splash move like this. I don't think Jordan Howard is the answer either, but I think he's a guy that can help carry the load with DeAndre Swift, at least for those first couple weeks, those first six weeks of the season. And then we'll see a guy like DeAndre Swift absolutely take over that spot. I hated their draft up until this with Justin <laughs> Herbert and Austin Jackson, but I love DeAndre Swift. I think he's a top 15 player in this class. I think for Miami, that gives them an identity on offense along with Devontae Parker. And, you know, for all the hate on Herbert, Herbert, Swift, you start to rebuild this line. This might be a team that can run the football very, very well. And, and keeping the offensive tackle talk going, 27 out of the Seahawks hitting Josh Jones. Uh, they've lost a lot of dudes on the offensive line over the years. They could always upgrade here. And then a surprise pick, 28, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we've all, you know, AJ Epinesa could be a pick here. I'm going to go linebacker. I think Zach Bond fits very, very well what they want defensively. They want chess pieces. Zach Bond can be that. We saw him as a pass rusher at Wisconsin. Then we saw him play off-ball linebacker at the Senior Bowl. I think Bond is a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. What You want him in the hand in the dirt and third down, he'll go get the quarterback. But as we've said before, this is a team that's going to play with a lead a lot you got to have people who can stop the pass, and Zach Bond can do that, whether he's rushing or playing in coverage. Yeah, somebody on Twitter compared him, one of our listeners, to Clay Matthews, and now I can't unsee it. I think he's a little bit uh, of a guy that can do everything, and if you want him to rush off the edge, you can. If you want him to blitz from middle linebacker, do it. He's just not big enough to fit that true edge rusher mold, but he's got the tools to do it. 
And getting back to the Seattle pick, I know they signed Brandon Shell in free agency, but that's not going to solve all your pass protection woes. I, I love, trust me, take it from me. I've watched every snap of his career. Uh, 27 with the Seahawks, Josh Jones. That's a really, really nice pick. I'm actually surprised Jones falls that far. He's been one of the more reliable pass protectors in the country the last couple seasons here. And for Seattle to have Dwayne Brown on one side, I'm curious if you can kick Jones over to the right side. I think so. I think we saw it at the senior bowl. He has the power to do that. 29, the Titans. I have them getting a corner in Jeff Gladney. And then 30, the Packers. Uh, not Denzel Mims, which might surprise you guys. I have Brandon Ayuk going here. The, the more I, like, I've been going back and watching guys trying to finish up draft 400 notes. I really like Brandon Ayuk, and the only thing that worries me is like the injury. We didn't see him at the Senior Bowl, didn't see him at the Combine. As long as he's good to go for whenever the season starts, Brandon Ayuk is a first-round receiver. What he does with the ball in his hands is so, so special. I mean, there's some, like, I know I've said before, like, at Sammy Watkins in college, there's some, like, Odell Beckham and NFL-type movements from him with the ball in his hands. Not as a route runner, I'm but, still but not explosion. as big of a fan on Ayuk as everybody else is. I see him as a second-round guy. Uh, I would rather have a big target like a Denzel Mims here uh, to play across from Devontae Adams. I guess you're, you're going speed here with Ayuk, but I in the first round, I'd rather have Mims. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, starting with the Gladney pick, that's a great pick for Tennessee. Load up on the secondary. You know, even if you want to kick a Dory Jackson inside, play Gladney on the outside, they're interchangeable. I think for Ayuk, yeah, I'm with you. He's a second round guy. I would not be, I wouldn't be overly excited. Maybe it's a good fit for the Packers. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Right? But he's just very raw and the injuries. I would be, man, it would be tough to pass on. I actually have a couple of receivers ahead of him in this class. On the board, but like you said, Matt, if he went round one because of it, that his athleticism and ability to create, I wouldn't be shocked. All right, thirty-one. I have a trade up. The 49ers trade back from this spot. The Indianapolis Colts give them thirty-four and seventy-five mm. to move up and get Jordan Love, who somehow fell say, down the board. Time for some love. Time for some yeah. love. <laughs> I have said it a billion times. The Colts don't have a quarterback under contract for next season. Now they do, and this might even open the door to a Jacoby Brissett trade. I would not be shocked if we see that happen draft weekend. So the Colts have Jordan Love to learn behind Philip Rivers for a year, and maybe they can get a second round pick back for a guy like Brissett because some teams might panic for a quarterback. Um, I wonder about this trade though. If they loved him so much. Why not take him in the teens and not thirty one overall? Well, they they traded the third. I know. Oh, you're saying why trade for? So why why move off that spot with the forty niners? This is more like an opportunity. You see, you see something happening and you You see him falling and you jump on it. You get the fifth year. It's very Drew Lockean of the Broncos last year. A little (laughs) earlier, yeah, a little earlier. It would be like Tampa getting Jacob Eason still. You know, it's like ah, well, you got him so much later. Oh, well, he fell all the way here, so we might as well give this a whirl. It's like the date that you really didn't want to go on. But you're like, yeah, I got really nothing to do, and you know, we'll see how it goes. So First day after go. quarantine, right? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mellow's tender is going to be unstoppable that first day after quarantine. All right, 32. Mellow's team, the Kansas City Chiefs. I actually looked for a trade out scenario here and couldn't find one. So instead, I'm giving them my guy, Clyde the Glide Edwards Ilair from LSU, you're running back. Trying from LSU. to piss me off. Today, I am trying to make you mad today. Nice little Tuesday morning, and then you have to do something like this with Jonathan Taylor on the board. Uh, shit, I would take Cesar Ruiz 10 out of 10 times here. That, I mean, build the line. I, Pat Mahomes doesn't need one of these running backs. I'm sorry. You can find a guy in the fifth or fourth, the fifth or sixth round that'll that'll do just as well. I'm just I'm trying to channel my inner Brett Veach. What would Brett do? 
I don't know. Hopefully not that. I, I think the need for a receiver is <laughs> not there, but I would I would rather see interior offensive line. Yeah, I could see it. Take KJ Hamler. They haven't valued go full speed offensive line. I mean, no. like two of their starters in the interior offensive line are street free agents. Yeah. They, just, they don't value it. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Mahomes got hurt last year, though. Uh, that wasn't their fault, though. I mean, that, like, that was a fluke play. He's running for his life a lot. He, uh, I'd rather him not running for I his life. I do think having argued with him about that some of that's just him <laughs> like that's that's his strategy for getting guys open but if they went Ruiz here I would be I would be ecstatic for Pat because I do think he gets hit too much but uh just what I'm hearing everything points to running back no I hope that's not all the right. one all right well it might be this guy who's coming up next Jalen Johnson corner from Utah thanks for hanging with us Jalen uh we're looking forward to talking to him at one of the toughest corners in this year's class we'll be right back with the Ute right for this all right, guys, we are joined today by Jalen Johnson from Utah, one of my favorite corners in the class, a player I know we all believe could be a first-round selection. So, Jalen, I got to first of all, thank you for coming on. We know this is like an unprecedented draft process, so thank you for your time. But I want to ask, as a player who uh, waited to have surgery on your labrum until after the combine, have you been able to get that done in a world where like a lot of elective surgeries aren't happening, hospitals are a little crowded? Have you been able to get that injury cleaned up? Yeah, I got it literally that next Wednesday. So when we finished on Sunday, I flew out to Colorado on Monday, and then I got the surgery done Wednesday morning. So, I mean, I got it done fairly quickly, and that was like March 4th, I want to say. So I kind of got it right before everything started getting hectic and all stuff like that. So, I mean, right now I'm just doing my rehab from home. Um, that's probably the only thing that's um, slightly hindered right now with everything going on. I can't really go to a rehab facility don't feel too comfortable going out and being around too many people and stuff like that so i mean i was doing the exercises from home um, i'm fairly comfortable with the process and with the exercise that i need to do so i mean i'm just doing it all from home right now what went into your decision to go ahead and work out before having surgery i'm just trying to give myself um every advantage i can get um i knew i was going to do the interviews pretty well um and i honestly just wanted to really showcase on the field um, as much as I can do and just try to show off as much of my physical work um, as well as my mental work. Jalen, I've read that you graduated in two and a half years at Utah before leaving as an underclassman for the NFL draft, which is insanely impressive. How hard was it balancing school and football? And I've read that you also had great grades as well. Just what was that like during your time at Utah? Honestly, it was just about prioritizing, um, just um, knowing what I had to do, knowing what I came in to do. Cause, I mean, it was some long nights, some early mornings waking up, having to finish assignments and just stuff like that. So, I mean, it was just another commitment that I made to myself um, and just made to the whole process when I first came into college because that was my goal from the very beginning to give myself an opportunity to be able to go to the NFL my junior year. And I know I didn't want to leave college without my degree. So, I mean, it was just – a lot of sacrifice going into it and just kind of maintaining and sticking to what um, I said I was going to do in the very beginning. But, I mean, it's, it was definitely some rough patches in there, um, seeing all my friends go out and yeah. not having study, um, study time and all just different stuff like that, knowing that I was always doing more and that it was kind of uncomfortable. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I had a different vision than a lot of people did and I had different goals. I mean, it was just really staying true to myself and staying true to what I wanted to do. Graduating in two and a half years, I mean, it says a lot about your work ethic, your dedication. What's your post football plan? Because you have, like you said, you have you have to have a plan. Most guys aren't going and playing power five football and starting at corner and graduating in two and a half years. That's that's pretty unique. Um, my post football plan, I'm really still trying to figure that out. Um, 
because, I mean, a lot of it is based on what I can do in the NFL and the platform I can build. But, I mean, honestly, for myself, um, I just want to be able to empower um, the younger generation and just being able to help out in sports, um, not just football, but just in sports in general and then in life in general as well. Because, I mean, there was so much that I didn't know myself as a young man in high school or middle school that I felt like was so important to me in my adulthood in terms of the life that I'm going to go into and that I even went through in college. So, I mean, I just want to be able to give that knowledge back down to the younger generation just because, I mean, I didn't really have too much knowledge of what um, taxes were, what an LLC was, what certain things like that was. I mean, just being able to give that knowledge back to other people can just how to start a credit card what is credit scores i mean now everybody's telling me yeah you need to start a credit card you want to establish this you want to establish that and i really don't and i didn't know too much about it so i had to go and learn about it now and i feel like that's something that's essential for kids in high school to know and kids start to learn about and how the economy is ran and why gas prices go up and down i mean that's certain things that people take for granted but is going to be essential or going to be important later on in life so i mean i just want to be able to help build kids on the on their in their sport and off the field as well well i don't i don't know about high school kids you're younger than me but maybe i could be your first student there and you can teach me some of this stuff too <laughs> right now so again whoever, whoever wants the knowledge i'm willing to give it down to <laughs> so what are you doing right now to stay in shape with everything that's going on in the world i know you're rehabbing the shoulder but what else are you doing to kind of keep yourself active uh, i think me and my girlfriend we just recently started working out uh working out again because i mean i couldn't really move too much over the past few weeks but i recently started doing some lower body stuff and she had me doing all kinds of squats and air squats and jumps and all different stuff like that that she had in her workouts i mean i'm just trying to get back acclimated and moving and getting my legs back under me and getting my wind um getting my wind back so when i can't start really running and moving i'm not going to be too far out of shape but i'm just doing rehab and just trying to get back acclimated into um physical exercise i remember you being a highly touted recruit you know one of the better cornerback prospects in your class especially army all-american how'd you end up at utah i mean i know utah has been a great football program you know the last couple of years here but how did you end up going there Honestly, again, it just went back to making a business decision, just knowing what I wanted um, in the school. And I really, and I, and on my visit, I really went to um, Utah and went to Coach Whittingham and um, all the coaches with a list of things that I was looking for in the school. Um, and they really were able to check off dang near every box or did check off every box in terms of getting exposure, in terms of having a chance to play early my freshman year being able to get a good quality degree, being able to learn and be around good coaches and being around good people. Um, so, I mean, it was just it was just about knowing what I wanted in school, and they were able to give me everything that I wanted. No, Jalen, well, uh, you know, a big part of my job as BR's lead draft guy is to write, you know, positives and negatives about a player. Uh, players don't usually like the negative side, but what's one of the, the worst critiques you've heard about yourself? Like, not worst as in, like, something you need to fix, but just the, the most wrong analysis you've heard about yourself as a player most wrong analysis like you ever see something on I twitter would... where somebody's like trashing your game and you're like what that doesn't even make sense <laughs> um most wrong analysis. i would probably say when people say my versatility and coverage like oh he's just a zone just a zone guy or oh he only can play man and I feel like I've displayed both of those at a high level, Me being that I followed around the number one receiver all year um, on, in each game. 
So, I mean, I don't see where somebody can say I'm only a zone guy when I was locking up receivers week after week. Um, so, I mean, that was one thing. And then another thing that I kind of seen was somebody saying that I had, like, stiff hips. That was one that was shocking to me also. Being that my training goes into having a loose hips and being able to open and being able to break um, very effectively and very efficiently. So, I mean, I don't see where I had loose hips at. And I feel like I made plays, I mean, where I had tight hips at. And I made plays with my hips and being able to open and break. I mean, I don't, I didn't see or agree necessarily with that, with those analysis. I'm going to change my scanner report right now. I just want to make sure, you know, just <laughs> see where, seeing, you know, what, what wasn't accurate. So I appreciate it. So how much are you Googling your name and reading the reports that are starting to come out? No, I don't do that at all. Honestly, not smart man. <laughs> I only get, or I only see the things that I see on my timeline just scrolling down Twitter where people may tag me in and I, kind of have no choice but to see it. But, I mean, I don't go out of my way to see any um, see any reports or anything like that. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing that I care about is what the GMs or what the coaches are going to say and who's going to select me. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it's only 32 GMs that are going to make the decision. So, I mean, I'm not too worried about what everybody else has to say about my game or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm just focused on um, what I can control and whoever chooses to draft me or pick me is what it's going to be. This is regarded as one of the best wide receiver classes we've seen in some time. And and like you said, you trailed a lot of good ones in, in your conference over the years. Who is the best wide receiver that you faced during your college career? College career. Or even this season. Honestly, it's kind of tough because I feel like I faced a lot of different type of receivers. I feel like LaVisca Chanel, he's, I would say more, he's the best playmaker I've ever guarded. Um, I would say... Going against Pittman, I would say he's one of the better ball trackers, one of the better hands I've guarded. Isaiah Hodgins, he was one of the most productive receivers I've went against. Um, and even Dante Pettis, my freshman year, I feel like he was one of the better route runners I've went against my whole career. So, I mean, it was it's a lot of different guys that I would say bring different things to the table that can um, pose challenges and really made me have to work. Now, you mentioned Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Uh, he had the best game of his career against Utah. What was your guys' plan going into that game, and, and what didn't work to stop him? Um, do, 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 do. Ah, that's a great... We honestly didn't really have a game plan. We knew that they had wide receiver threats everywhere, so, I mean, it was just, um, just about trying to maintain and just do our job. Um, going against Tyler Vaughn, for me, it was just trying to eliminate him um, as best I can, and then when Pittman got hot, I mean, it wasn't necessarily anything that, not to take away from him, but we just weren't disciplined in our coverages. One, I think it was long touchdown, we were in a cover three. We didn't really play that too well as we weren't on top of his, on top of him in that cover three. Another long one, we got, they got, some of our DBs got split on the double team, so I mean, it just wasn't, it just wasn't our cleanest technical game that we played that game, and he made us pay for it at the end of the day. So what about looking forward to the NFL? Are there any receivers that you're looking forward to trying to lock up on and, and kind of test your game against in the NFL? Honestly, a lot. I, I can sit here and name some all day from Odell, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. Um, uh, what's his name? From Tampa Bay. Big Mike, Mike Evans. Evans. Yeah, good luck there. Ooh. That's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just different matchups like that. Um I mean, even 
Hollywood Brown at Baltimore. I liked his game. Just being able to match up, honestly, against shit, every team, because I thought every team always has that one or two guys that can really go or that are really play at a high level. So just being able to match up every game against the best and being able to showcase what I can do on defense as well and just try to maintain and take those guys out as much as possible. Jalen, as a podcast, we've decided that you were the best player from that Utah defense this year, especially in the draft. So we got to ask you, who is the second best player from your defense in this draft? Second best player. What is the best? What is best player? Most impactful. Most impactful. Ooh. We're gonna tag him on Twitter in this too, man. So like, don't don't <laughs> piss off. Don't piss your off Bradley tackle. and I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or him. Yeah. Most impactful. Most impactful. Uh, I, I, I'll have a two. Really, I'm stuck between. I'm stuck between three, two, or three players. Oh. Well, you guys are going to have okay. eight players on defense drafted. That's something people need to know. So it's not like we're asking you to pick between two guys. <laughs> I'm about to say it's a lot. Right. A, yeah. Most impactful. Oh, that's that's tough. I would either say, I can't, I can't, I, can I have a 2A and 2B? Do it. That's fine. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> I will go between Bradley and Julian. How big was Julian's injury for you guys? Um, he's a heck of a player, but it seems like. Uh, the, not that the defense was ever bad, but it seems like you guys fell off a little bit. Definitely um, in the Oregon game, it just was more so of missing piece to our puzzle that we couldn't fill. Um, but I wouldn't even say more so. I don't, I don't know. The championship game was a little was a little weird. Um, honestly, it kind, of, it kind of messed up the mojo just because that whole year we were so used to being one tight-knit group. So when one link kind of fell off, it was just like, dang, okay. How are we going to replace this? And this is all we've had all year. And we just weren't used to having somebody else come in. And I mean, we were very, very thin at the safety position. So having him go out in the championship game was just like, okay, well, I mean, next man up. But our next man didn't really have too much experience. So it was, it was just really about trying to do the best that we can with what we had. And then I didn't really, I didn't play in the bowl game. So I really wasn't there to see how it was with a full game without him at all. Um, but I mean, it was just just trying to do the best we can with what we had. Are you still keeping in contact with a lot of the guys you played with at Utah? You're all kind of in uncharted waters here. We've never gone through a draft process process like this. So you you keeping in contact with guys like Julian? Um, yeah, a little bit, not too much. Um, I mean, I would probably say I talk to Terrell Burgess the most. Um, but I mean, I, we we chop it up here and there, whether it's through social media or wherever it may be. But I mean, we're not. I mean, we're kind of just letting each other enjoy it, really. Because, I mean, we all have all these phone calls and stuff going on. I mean, it's not like we just really have too much time, too much thought to really think and call each other and really talk too much. But, I mean, when we do talk, it's nice being able to catch up and talking about which teams we've talked to and just enjoying and just being able to enjoy it all together. Last one from me. How many teams have you talked to? Is your week just booked with FaceTime calls over and over again? Uh, it definitely did get 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 hectic this week. Um, it's kind of calmed down, but I will, how many teams have I talked to since the combine, or just kind of including the combine? Eh, since the combine. Since the combine, I would probably say ten, about ten plus, maybe. That's that's a good number. And one thing, last question, we'll let you get out of here, man. Um, doing this over the years, you find out players have an instinct, like a hunch for where they're going to get drafted. A lot of times they're right. If you had to guess right now, which team is going to draft you? 
That's crazy. You put me on the spot. I am for sure. Not like you know you where you want to go. Three. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm only playing for this team. We don't want you to go Eli Manning on this thing. But like, if you just had a hunch, <laughs> a good feeling about a team. A hunch, a hunch. I would say the Raiders. Okay, they're, and you're a Cali guy, right? Yeah, so that'd be great. Yeah. Well, they're in, they're in Vegas now, but close enough. Yeah, a hunt. Yeah, I say the Raiders with the hunt. With the hunt, you're definitely a Mike Mayock. Kind yeah, of it, it makes right? a lot of oh. sense there with what they are trying to build there, what they need at corner. I think that's a good hunch. I think you're probably right. I think so too. I'm gonna change my mock drafts. All right, Jalen, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, good luck rehabbing. Yeah, I love talking to you. It's good awesome. luck rehabbing the shoulder. Good luck working out with a girlfriend. That's uh, that's a test <laughs> on a relationship, man. So so good for you doing that. But but stay safe out there and, and good luck. Uh, when the Raiders pick you. We'll be rooting for you, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right, that is our show today. Thank you again to Jalen Johnson for stopping by. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the mock draft. And make sure you come back Friday because we are going to mock Mellow's mock draft. That alliteration is on point. Mock Mellow's mock draft. Say that three times fast. Stay safe out there. Wash those hands. Let's do our part to end this terrible coronavirus so we can all get back together and have some brews. For Mello and Connor's Matt, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Mm-hmm.